the things that I love about my business are causing me to be a bit resentful because I want to talk to you and I want to help you, but I cannot take another phone call and I cannot answer another email. And so I wanted to love my work again. I wanted my life back. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Don't look now, but there's going to be a third voice showing up on this podcast. This is good. this is a very new experience. If y'all had been listening previous, you would have heard us like trying to figure out how do we balance three voices in the conversation. <laughs> Mostly, I think what that means is that I need to shut up more so that Jill and our special guest, Keela, can get a word in edgewise. So why don't we start that right now? Keela, why don't you say hey to everyone who's listening? Hi, everyone. I'm Keela Hill-Trewick. I am really excited to be here today. And of course, as always, my co-host for this episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast is Jill Giovanazzo. Hi there. I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to take kind of the theme that we started talking about on our last episode, which is all about, you know, what is it that causes people to have issues with time as they're going and scaling a business. And Keela really did a lot of work over the last several months to be able to free herself up, to be able to create more space and more time in her business. So Keela, can you tell us a little bit about you and your business and what it is you do and why you love doing it? Ah, that's a good question. So I run a CPA firm called Little Fish Accounting um, out of DC, but we service clients across the country. And we focus on very small service-oriented and online businesses, taking care of bookkeeping, taxes, and overall accounting and finance guidance. I would say my favorite part about this job, in quotes, is I just get to meet so many different business owners doing really cool things. And it's really changed my perspective about what small business means. So that now, like when I'm out in the world and I'm passing a shopping plaza or something like that, it's like, wow, most of those are really small businesses. For sure. Yeah. That's always so interesting. I remember when we first moved to Qualcomm beach and we went through very similar because they don't allow any chains in here for the most part. And it was so fascinating to go through and, and see all the small businesses, all the family owned businesses and get to know the people and what it is that they do. So I totally can appreciate that right there. So thank you very much, Keila, for joining us. You are our first podcast guest of the season, our first podcast guest of the podcast. (laughs) No pressure. Yeah, you know, what we really heard from the first season is that people wanted to hear real life examples. And so that's what we've invited Keila here to talk about today. And I want to point out that we are recording this during tax season. <laughs> yes. Super and, during tax season. Like a- Yeah, exactly. And yet here you are able to take a little bit of time to have this conversation with us. But this is relatively a new thing for you to be actually able to take the time you want. So why don't you start us off and just give the folks listening a little bit of a backgrounder about how time was for you 
in the before days, because I think a lot of people are going to really understand and resonate with that. I'll say that I, like most small businesses, struggle with the same thing, which is that I was doing too many jobs. I was doing all the jobs. And one of my major frustrations, social media, the world, the internet is constantly like delegate. All you got to do is hire people and delegate. And when I started or before I started, there was very much this feeling of I did hire people and I still work 10 to 12 hour days. So I'm not really understanding how getting more people on the team. I spend more. I love them. I think that they're great people, but I don't work less. And so like a lot of, again, very small business owners, we are a really small business. There are less than 10 people on the team, but that made me think I should touch everything. And in the midst of touching everything, I was just getting burnt out. I was getting to the point probably mid to late last year where I would be talking to people and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make it because I'm just so tired. And the things that I explained that I love about my business are causing me to be a bit resentful because I want to talk to you and I want to help you, but I cannot take another phone call and I cannot answer another email. And so I wanted to love my work again. I wanted my life back and I really wanted to efficiently use the people that I had hired on the team to help me rather than just be placeholders. Yeah, I I totally hear that. And I'm sure many of our audience can as well. I, I remember one of our first calls after you started in the academy and we actually pulled up your calendar and looked at all of the things that you had on it. And even when you had space on your calendar, diving in and talking about all of the other things that you were dealing with, the constant communication with your team, always touching with clients, all of the things that were there. Those are big pieces of your life. Yeah. And what's funny is Jill told me early on to like goals of like getting off at a certain time and not taking calls on certain days. And I laughed. I was like, "Mm -hmm, sure, that would be awesome if I did not have to talk on the phone every single day, all day long. But I don't see how that's possible. I think what's so interesting is as a compare and contrast, you just recently decided that you're not only going to take some time for yourself, but you're actually going to have periods of business closure during the year where it's like a two week span several times during the year where it's not just that you're unavailable, the business is closed so people can take the time that they want for themselves. I mean, how, uh, how do you go from, I can't even step away to, no, we're shutting down for two weeks and clients are just going to deal with it. Talk me through that. (laughs) So I will say a lot of that came from a recent call that we had around. If you don't offer the time to yourself, then you won't offer it to anybody else. And so I kept thinking about same thing. Brianne told me that I'd be taking all the weekends off during the year. And I was like, for a whole year, I'm not going to work any weekends. I don't see how that's possible, but sure, we'll put it on the goals list. And I realized on our last call that if I don't make that time for myself, then the ways in which I want this business culture to work, which is that, you know, we talk a lot on the team about decolonizing the way that we think about work and it not being based on this like very structured 40 hours for this much, all of that stuff. And if I don't take off and I don't close down at a certain part of the day or a certain part of the year, then my team, because they're loyal and they're awesome, are just going to be there and be available to me so that even when I say, oh, we're on vacation, but I sent you a Slack real fast, they're going to make themselves available to try to do it as soon as possible. And so what I realized is in order for the team to get the time that they needed in a way that felt safe, in a way that felt like you're not um, burdening us, 
by not being available was important that we set in times that we were just going to be closed. And I think a bigger like mind shift from that was that clients don't determine when we're on. Like when I started Mm -hmm. thinking about what is important, what are the things that we have to do? We're going to make sure that those things get done, but you don't get to have an emergency on this random Tuesday that everybody just has to be hands on deck in case you come in when really we need time. Our resting is as important as the work. And if I don't build that in for us, then will the team really feel comfortable being able to take that time? Yeah, exactly. And that all comes back to that being kind to your future self that we've talked about in the past as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So how did you adjust or refine or maybe even focus your core offer to allow for this kind of change? Especially when we talk about like leading the clients, because that was a big thing for you is that Mm -hmm. you came in with a core offer, which was, oh, you need your taxes done. We'll do your taxes. And it was a really big shift that I saw for you from being like, yeah, we serve the clients by doing what they need to we show the clients how best we can serve them. I'll say the first thing when I, I'll say a couple of weeks after I came into the academy, I was like, oh, we're dropping a service. We do it I thought that we had narrowed it down enough, but here's another thing that we're not going to offer anymore. And for a person that started a business really to try to support as many small businesses as I could, it was a difficult release to be able to say, I really can't touch all of you one-on-one because I'm only one person we're only so many people on the team, we can really only do so much. And so focusing on a core offer that created a sense of partnership was a major shift that we had to make. And I think by narrowing down what we offered and then using that to be able to say, we both have a part in this partnership. We both have something that we have to offer and not the only way for me to provide good customer service to you is to do all the things. And that's so powerful, right? Because you're empowering the client, but you're also empowering your team, which is a big piece of the puzzle when you're looking at refining that core offer. You were talking a lot about delegation and that leadership that you started to show for your clients, you've probably found yourself doing the same thing for your team in a very different way than you had previously. Yeah, very much so. I think even like the team conversations that we've had that really lend themselves to you own this and how is it going and not, again, you're a small business owner. I used to do everything myself. When I started this business, there was nobody but me and I did all the parts. And then I like added one person and they helped me, but I mostly did all the parts and like gave them some of it. And so this idea now that I can have someone that it's like, hey, this whole part of the business, that's you. And if you need me, you'll let me know, but I can focus on the other parts because I'm not constantly chasing behind you. Like, well, what did you do? Do you need me? Are you sure? I told one of my team members the other day, it feels like, I mean, I don't have children, but it feels like when your child like grows up and is doing their own laundry and stuff, I'm like, are you sure you don't need, I should teach you how to do this. I don't need you to touch it. Thank you. I, I feel as though to give a little bit of credit or maybe context to Jill's laugh there is she still has to teach me how to do the laundry because every you know every once in a while it's like I'm gonna do my own laundry and I inevitably have to say it's like it's been too long since I did the laundry you like show me what to do so you know uh, you don't need children to have that experience example then that hit close to gone (laughs) I think what we're taught right is that we should do all the things the client shouldn't have to do everything. And I'm wondering if you can think of maybe a, a specific example or, or two of something that you've now asked the clients to take responsibility for and 
what it is that made it that it's better for them to be responsible for that. So one of the things that we shifted was the way that we did monthly calls. So we had talked at one point about whether we were going to get rid of them or if we wanted to keep them. And what we did was we kept them, but we made them shorter. So really putting the onus on them to say, you need to review your financials and tell us if you think anything looks outstanding so far or so much. So to say that if after 30 days you haven't told us that we need to correct anything, there's a fee because you're supposed to be looking every month to make sure that this at least makes general sense to you. If you have any questions, you need to let us know in advance and not get until the end of the year and say, oh, this has been wrong all year long. And I'm like, I've been sending you statements every single month and you didn't say anything. Um, So really putting that onus and that responsibility on them to say, you need to look Tell us if you see something wrong. Tell us if you see something that you have questions on so that we can teach you. And then you're then able to better ask questions that help with your future that are not spending a bunch of time just talking about the numbers that have already happened. What I see in that is, is it elevates the conversations that you're actually having with clients, right? You're not, as you said, having to go through like the line items and the categories and just, you might have to teach them how to read their reports initially, but that allows you to have the more strategic level conversations that you want to be having, which are actually more valuable and a better use of their time and your time. And being able to trust that information because if you've looked at it, then when I try to forecast out the remainder of your quarter, I can believe that the numbers that we're using to build those numbers are accurate. If I'm building you forecast and you're like, oh, I forgot to tell you about this other money that I spent over here. It's like that affects all of the future things that I'm trying to set up for you that again, need your input. Similarly, creating budgets that we don't create them. We will help you build them and then we'll talk you through how to like make some tweaks on them. And then that's what we'll put into place. But you need to look at it and say, yes, this makes sense for my business or it doesn't based on what I know. Yeah, totally. And and that kind of ties back into that whole taking the lead in the conversation and being the authority on the thing that you are good at, the thing that is your zone of genius. And that's why you're in this business. We were actually on a call not long before this podcast recording, and you showed me your page. (laughs) These are all the things that need more improvement. And that's different than how things were approached in the past. Yeah. And it gives me the space to be able to even think about that. So for example, I created this whole plan. We make all these plans. I was like, tax season this year is going to be different. It's not going to be as hard. It's going to feel way better. And then a month in, I was like, I should have hired another tax preparer. And it's a little bit too late because I can't bring them in and teach them and all of that stuff. So I ended up taking on a lot more work than I would normally do during this season. But because of the things that I had shifted in the core offer and in some other areas, I was able to do that without feeling like I need to work twice as hard to make up for all the stuff that I wasn't doing in the other areas. It also made it so that I can make this list and be thinking about how we can improve things because my nose isn't so hard on the grind of I'm just doing the work. We'll figure out how this looks later. I'm actually thinking as I go, oh, next year we should update the questionnaire so that this question is at the top instead of the bottom because every time I do it, it's a little bit harder and I wouldn't have thought about that before. Yeah. It's it's like you you pull back step by step and you start to elevate yourself up what we call the visionary pyramid, right? You start to get a little further out of the day-to-day and every time you step a little further out of the day-to-day, you can see the bigger scope. You can see the bigger picture and you can see more of how those pieces fit together. 
And you, I, I hope it's okay that I say this, but you told me that you were like, I am not going to be having a team. I do not want to have a big team. And now you're like, bring me team members. Like, I want this. So talk to me about the team side of the equation. Listen, I just told my team probably six months ago, I was like, I don't want any full-time employees. I want y'all to be able to do what you want. You can work for me part-time and then you can do whatever other life you want. Then me and Jill just had a conversation where I was like, hey, so I need a full-time person by like, Next week, we got to <laughs> get this person in. It's really interesting because the more that I've empowered them to talk to each other and not just to me, the better we are at really figuring out what the job needs. And so I think initially I was just kind of like, it's okay if you can just do your part, then that's sufficient. And then I have other people that can do these other parts. And now as we start thinking about realigning and talking about what parts people should be doing that maybe are someone else's job right now, but technically you should just take that on if you had more hours to do it, has really gotten them involved in looking at it and saying, wait, what are some ways that I could be more valuable to the team, that I could be doing my job more efficiently, that if I had a few more hours or if we did it this way instead of that way, the whole company could be better off and it doesn't feel as siloed of, you know, Jill and I talked about, I'm in the tax department, I'm just trying to make the tax department better. It's like when you make your job and your department better, you make Little Fish as a whole better. Yeah, and I love that whole concept that, you know, zones of genius are multiplicative, where if someone's operating in their zone of genius and someone else is operating in their zone of genius, it's even more than just adding the two of you together. You mentioned this idea of, how you had the team starting to talk to each other, you've empowered them to do that. Can you give us a specific example of how you've done that for our audience? Yeah, and actually it was a way of retraining clients and empowering teams at the same time. So I set up an autoresponder that was basically like, it was way more tactful than this, but it's essentially, you're probably not trying to talk to me. If you are a current client and you have a question about this is who you should be emailing. If you have a general question, this is who you should be emailing. So one, it got them off my plate to go to the department that they thought they should be talking to. What that then created was if they went to the wrong place, or if they replied to an email from taxes that should have gone to the admin. They don't ask me about that. Just send it to the place where it's supposed to go. Slack the person that you have the question from. Talk amongst yourselves around this one client so that I don't become the bottleneck because both of you have now gotten an email from this person. What do y'all need to do to make this um, work? What it has made, which got a little bit scary for me, is that means that the things that are elevated to me are problems because everything else is taken care of. And so it gets really easy to get into this flow of, oh my gosh, are we making mistakes? Like how many things are going wrong? Because I'm missing all of the things that are going right that don't cross my plate anymore because they're taking care of them either within their department or amongst the team. That's such a good reflection. What's so interesting for me as I'm I'm hearing you talk about all of this is I'm remembering our very first conversation. (laughs) I don't know how much of that conversation you remember, Keila, but I remember our very first conversation, you were looking at like KPIs and metrics for your team because you wanted them to be like, performing to the next level. And I seem to recall telling you, yep, I can get you there. And it's not going to be the path that you think it's going to be like the stuff that you think you should be worried about is not going to get you there. Yes. And so now you've come through this journey. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm curious, number one, do you agree with that assessment? And number two, talk to me about your journey of being able to 
really become that leader of this team that you've described? So I will say on behalf of all the entrepreneurs, it is not SOPs and processes. That's what I thought I was missing. If I could just get the processes, if I could write down the steps and make sure that somebody understood the steps, then we could measure everything later. And Brienne did tell me early on, no, that's not it. Let me tell you how to go through this. And I remember leaving the conversation knowing two things. One, I don't know what I have to do, but I have to figure out how to work with y'all because clearly I've been thinking about this wrong. And so I just need to figure out what kind of help I need. But two, it made me realize how much gets ingrained in you about, yeah, you have to hire people and make SOPs. And I was like, okay, I hire people and I'm making SOPs and this does not feel easier. So where is this gap? And from my journey, I think what I found was there's just a lot of layers that you take for granted when you're operating from a place of like exhaustion. When you're doing everything yourself, you get to a point where you're like, I just need a person. And how do I get them in and get them moving fast? Because I just can't do all these things. And it can be frustrating. I mean, Jill and I have these conversations too, where I'm like, I want to do this and I need to do this first. And she's like, so here's the six steps you need to do before we get there. I'm like, I don't have time for those six steps. <laughs> I need to do this step now. But I think it's helped me to shift to one, think about things before they happen. I think entrepreneurship, especially at the beginning, can feel a lot of like starts, just do it. And then we'll figure out the rest later. So having a space to step out and say, okay, we got time to figure this out before I actually have to hire, before I have to shift something. What are the steps we can put into place now? And I'll say the other thing that I relearned recently that this process has really helped me to pay special attention to is that we are making money and we are fine. But Every goal is not about the profit. It was really difficult to think about, should I make this investment in whatever the thing is that I wanted to do? How much am I going to make back on that? How profitable are we going to be this month? How much are we going to make if I do this or if I pay this person or hire this team member? And really thinking about the idea that the point is to build it first and then everything else comes, but not this exact tit for tat that if I put in this much, then it better have an ROI of this much. It's like eventually it might. And that's for everything that we do from software to team members, to coaches, to everything that we're paying for, even especially as an accountant, it often feels like I put dollars in what comes back (laughs) and having this shift of really the privilege is that we have enough to keep us stable while we fix some back things so that we can make them better for the people that we bring on. I didn't realize that. And I think it was part of our first conversation of, yeah, I know if quote, the goal is to make more money, we will get there. But if you don't build this foundation, right, which we learned the hard way, you'll make a lot of money and it'll be very difficult doing it. Yeah, Absolutely. Boom, mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) That's such, yeah, such an amazing reflection. Thank you, Keela, for for sharing that because that's deep, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that you would think listening to you, it's like, why isn't that common sense? But it's such a piece to to give ourselves the permission to take that time, Mm -hmm. the permission to have that breath to make the foundation work because you're right, as entrepreneurs, we start out, as you put our nose to the grindstone, we got to do all the things, we got to start all the things and everything else is going to find its way out. But then to turn around and say, okay, we're at a point now where that's not going to help me anymore. 
Mm-hmm. That's not going to get me further. It got me to where it is now, but yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And do you want to do it that way again? Like yeah. I looked at our numbers from last year and I was like, oh my gosh, we blew goals out of the water and I was tired. So it's like, mm-hmm. how do we do that in a way that not just for me, but the whole team feels good about it, that we have whatever sense of work-life balance and that like working with us and working for us can be done with ease. That doesn't have to be another mm-hmm. thing that you're stressing about in the midst of all the world's craziness. I think this is what's so important and what I've seen for you, Keela. It's not just the shift in how much do you work versus how much do you not work. It's just as much about how do we shift how we work and how we feel and show up and how our time is used when we're working. And so I would, I would just love for, for you to kind of send everyone off with a, a reflection on what that is and what that means for you. If you had to give some advice to someone who is in the thick of it right now and the, the best they can hope for is taking a couple hours off on the weekend and they're hearing you talk and they're like, this all sounds great, but I need one actionable thing to sink my teeth into, what would you tell that person? Where should they start? I would say you have to be intentional. The time is not going to show up for you. And so I think, especially in entrepreneurship and relationships, you're always expecting this plateau. Like I'm working really hard right now, but then I'm going to get to a place where it kind of finally evens itself out. And for us, at least, It hasn't. Now, some of that is my personality. I'm probably going to create things even when it could be flat. But I think the other part is you just realize that there are new and different things for you to look at. So like Jill said, when we talked about tax season, there are ways in which it's harder and there are ways in which it's going better. But I still have a whole list of things that can make this that much better next time we do it. And so that just reminds me that if I'm not intentional about saying I'm not going to work on the weekends or I'm not going to get off or You know, my husband the other day was like, can you pick up something on the way home? And my first thought was, "Uh, I had to go to the dentist. So I've already been out for like two hours. I need to go home and check these emails. And I had to decide it's going to be like 30 minutes out of your way. Just go do that thing and come back and know that the work is going to be there, that you're never going to finish all of it. You're not going to get through the whole list. And so why make yourself stay on until midnight, exhausted for the last two hours when you could have just logged off at 10. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that if I don't make that time, if I'm not intentional about the fact that off time has to exist, that emails are going to go unanswered for the weekend or whatever that looks like for me, you can't wait for your business to make that for you because your business is always going to need something. And if you always feed those needs, then you're probably not taking care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. We've had the conversation of tasks expand to fill the time allotted to them, right? And the um, same thing happens with the business. And, yeah. and the apocalypse list, which was in the previous episode. So if anyone's listening to this and you haven't heard the last episode, this idea of prioritizing and figuring out how to do this, what he was talking about, a lot of that comes from this idea of, yeah, your list is never going to be done. Make your apocalypse list, figure out what needs to get done, and then be willing to let the other stuff go. Yeah, Yeah, because what you realize really quickly, too, is like those other 14 things, 
when you pull out the three that are most important, the other 14, I'm like, oh, this can get done next week. Actually, I'm not even going to do this right now. And it ends up that list is not as long as you thought it was anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to just say thank you so much, Keela, for taking the time, uh, <laughs> pun intended on that one, <laughs> taking the time to to join us on the podcast here. I had a really great time and I'm sure Brianne did as well, speaking with you and having this conversation. I, I always love to have conversations like these with our clients past and present. Before we let you go, though, can you tell our audience how they can find you online if they're interested in getting some support on their finances? Sure. So if you want to work with us, we have a website, littlefishaccounting.com, where you can find out about our services. We have resources free and paid to really make sure that you're not starting at step zero. And in terms of social media, we are most active on Instagram at littlefishaccounting, but we also have a Facebook page, littlefishacctg, and we have a podcast called Fish Food that you can find anywhere that you listen to your podcast, including this one. I am pretty sure that is the best name of a podcast ever. <laughs> I think we so. Went, we went with the very creative name, right? The Visionary CEO Podcast, very creative. <laughs> but but I think yours tops even that. So yeah, as Jill said, thank you so much for joining us, Keela. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. In our next episode, Jill and I are going to do a little bit of a debrief of this conversation that you just heard. We're going to talk about how you can apply some of what Keela talked about to other kinds of businesses. So you won't want to miss that conversation. Hope that you'll join us next week for another episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.